I'm Kate Northrup. And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living. Welcome back to the Kate and Mike Show. This is Mike. And this is Kate. We are so happy to have with us today for today's episode... Oh, Ruby is crying a little bit, so I'll pick it up, Kate. But uh, today's episode is we are is brought to you by Ruby Grace Watts from two and a half month old baby. No, just kidding. We interviewed Elena Brower today, and it was a fantastic interview. Stay with us throughout the beginning. You might hear some construction. She had some construction going on, so there's some noise in the background, but that didn't last for very long. But she's a mama, a teacher, author, speaker, and presidential diamond leader with doTERRA. Elena has taught yoga since 1999. Her first book, Art of Attention, has been ranked number one in the design on Amazon and has been translated into six languages. Her second book, Practice You, a Journal, is a bestseller from Sounds True. It's now being incorporated into teaching criteria worldwide for all ages. And... She has contributed to Yoga Journal, Yoga International, Huffington Post, Mind Body Green, Well and Good NYC, Positively Positive, and more. And you can listen. She has courses from Sounds True, et cetera. And you can practice with Elena on yogaglow.com. Which I have, and I've enjoyed very much. Today, we talked about the process of Elena getting clean and sober, which was incredibly powerful. What I love about Elena is she just like really tells the truth. There's not like sugarcoating. She doesn't have a spiel. You know, she didn't rehearse her three points. She's just talking to you like you're having coffee with an old friend. She told us an incredible story about the moment when she made a vow to respect her mother, which I think we can all, if any of us have mothers, which we all do, we can relate to this powerful story. And she also talked about her doTERRA business and how that came to be, which was exciting. Mike and I also have a background in network marketing. So it was fun to talk about that. If you're a network marketer, listen up. And then she announced that she is coming to Maine August 5th with our dear friend, Sarah Tangretti of Leverage Events. Um, Elena is going to be doing a one day event this summer in Maine, August 5th. I will be there and I can't wait to meet you there. So you can learn more about that um, on Elena's website as well. So enjoy the episode. Welcome, Elena. Yes, we did it, Kate. We did it. We did it. So much back and forth. It's like the life of the mother entrepreneur, you know, keeping it all together. <laughs> so we made it. Keeping it all together. Keeping it all together. Okay, so speaking of keeping it all together, yes. can you give us, you know, of course, we've introduced you to our friends here who listen, but I would love to know from your perspective, can you just give us the lay of the land of what is on your plate these days? I definitely can. I try and cook at least two to three meals a day. I am, yeah, it's nice. I cook very simple things. Like I'll make a little grilled chicken for the kid and I'll make some steamed veggies for me and some quinoa and, you know, nothing too extensive, but I do get creative with the herbs and the dressings. (laughs) Yeah, it's important. Dressings are everything. (laughs) And I am running my doTERRA team. We, We reached presidential about seven, eight months ago. And what does that mean? It means of the 6 million customers in doTERRA, 600,000 or so that are doing the business, about 60 or 70 of us have reached this rank. And it's the highest rank of the company. It means that we have inspired six people to reach platinum. Those platinum teams are pretty high earning teams and they're really high functioning individuals who are running them. That means they have three silvers under each of them. And the honor of working with these six platinums is huge. These are really, really not just ambitious, but caring, smart, capable humans with hearts who are out there trying to help as many families as possible to gain access to more natural health care. Then I travel about once a month to teach yoga. 
Sometimes it's regional. Sometimes it's getting on a plane, but it's usually no more than once a month. In summertime, it's a few more times just because it's the summer and things happen during the summer. And I go to Yoga Glow probably two to three times a year, and I create content for that site, which I love to do. It's one of my favorite things, and I spend all year kind of keeping a notebook of content so that those classes are super relevant for anyone who happens upon them. Um, and I do programs. I've done a program on uh, a series of practices for recovering those folks who are in recovery. I've done a practice, a series of practices for women self- on self-care, beautiful. And I have a couple of meditation programs coming up. So there's lots going on. And at the same time, I'm learning from my presidential colleagues And even though we're none of us on the same team, we're all very dear, dear friends, sisters. I've learned how to manage my time and how to keep chunks of days wide open, how to go to the Met on Mondays and look at art, how to go for walks in the park every day or run, you know, just sort of mind my time, which is now teaching me how to let my leaders lead and sort of take my hands off a little bit, which has been a great revolution for me lately. That's amazing. Do you go with yes. Rihanna to the Met? Not on Why Mondays. Does, does Rihanna go Not to the Met on Monday? Well, the only thing I really... <laughs> How do you know this? Rihanna anyway? was at the Met Ball. That's what Mike is referencing. The Met, oh, that's the, the only ball. thing I really oh, okay. know about the Met. No. Yes. Like yes. The Met ball. And then I heard her yeah. talk recently about like, she's like the star of the Met, you know, on the Met Ball because she wore a gown that needed eight people like two years ago or something, eight people to get it through. She had a, like, there was eight people that had to get her and her gown like through the place. Amazing. So, yeah, the Met. I, I happen to love Rihanna. Rihanna was the client of one of my best friends for a long time, uh, was her stylist, Lisa Cooper, Lisa with a Y. Lisa Cooper is very badass, so I, I have an inside peek. And she's a good girl. Nice. I love yep. her music. I know nothing about she's her. She's a good woman. But yeah, no, she's a good that. woman. That's good. Yep. It's always nice to hear when people you admire from afar are also good people. <laughs> it's true. And, it's and you're true. one of them, Elena. <laughs> um, Dude, thank I, you. I would love to know, because I actually don't know, you know, we've, we've sort of like been circling in the same circles for a while and hung out a couple times, but I look mm-hmm. forward to more someday in the future. And I'd love to know two stories. One story would be, how you got into yoga and then the other story would be how you got into network marketing so could you tell us those two stories yeah for sure uh yoga was easy i was in i just graduated from cornell it was a few days out and my boyfriend's mom who was the coolest still is still friendly with her still love her she owns Marlowe Flowers on the Upper East Side. She's probably one of New York's finest florists and has been for, you know, decades. She and her daughter, my boyfriend's sister, took me to a class. It was probably, I don't know, 1992 or three. And it was the first yoga zone on 54th Street, just between 3rd and Lex, before yoga zone turned into whatever it turned into, I forget. And then Alan Finger went off and did his own thing and became Ishta Yoga. Oh. But Alan was one of my first teachers. That day it happened to be a gal called Michelle. And I was coming from a ballet background, you know, where you go to class, you get shouted at, ridiculed, <laughs> you know, tortured. Yeah. And I was cool with that. I thought that was kind of how it always went. And I sat down in this class and Michelle, I tell the story a lot because she really made an impression. She was super beautiful, very petite. And she had beautiful red bob with bangs. And her eyes were the sweetest blue. And I walked up and I was inspired to go right to the front of the room. And I sat my ass down. I put my mat down. I was like, I wonder what's going to happen in here. And for the next 90 minutes, I was treated like a princess with respect and dignity. And I was told how, what I was doing well and what I could do a little bit better and what would make it feel better and what would make it feel more whole inside of my body and where was my heart space and just all this beautiful languaging and encouragement that I was not accustomed to at all. And I was hooked from that moment on. 
I didn't teach until many years later, probably five, six years later, that I met Cindy Lee, and she invited me to take her first or second teacher training, which I did. That was the beginning, mm. 1988 or so, 20 years ago. It's not weird that we can say 20 years ago I did this, except I remember it like it was yeah. yesterday. Yes. <laughs> very, so weird. very weird. One of my best friends, I just oh realized we've like been super close for 20 years fully, you know, in full memory. And I was like, what? <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, it is. <laughs> anyway, so that's the story of how I got to yoga. And I was at the time a clothing designer. I was designing clothing huh. and also textiles. And I had a fair amount of success, just was making a nice paycheck and was comfortable. And then I started teaching yoga and I took that down to sort of part time. And I think my timing was good. You know, I, I came into yoga before it was this massive situation and sort of rode the wave as it crested upward mm. and, you know, was very diligent and studied. I just continuously study and live for my studentship. And so I think that does help my case, you know, for why I continue to do it and why I continue to experience success in that space. But I don't do it full time anymore because of doTERRA. So what, do you have like a, a yoga lineage that you're part of? I have studied with everyone. Uh-huh. And now I'm at that point in my life where I have chosen my teacher and my yeah. teacher is Rod Stryker. Oh my God. That's so funny because we literally just a couple of days ago did an interview with Tracy Stanley Oh and yeah. She's amazing. Oh yeah. And you got you got a real queen right there. Wow. Yeah. That's a and, queen. And she also works with Raj. Is that's her chosen teacher. So obviously I'm sure you know that. But isn't that interesting? So now I have to go check that out. Who's Raj <laughs> Yeah. We will dive well, deep. I can tell you right now. It's like an action. Yeah, star. tell us right now why him. Rod Stryker is a student. He's a true student. He's 60 years old and he's a true student. He is a student of the practice. He's a student of the goddess. He's a student of his teacher. And he is here to help us really access the steady light within ourselves. That mm -hmm. is his entire mission, start to finish. He has two sets of twins. He is <laughs> working, he's working way too hard and when you sit with him for five minutes or five hours, the result is always the same. You will walk away from being with him with a full grasp of stability that lives inside of your body that you sometimes will either A, forget about or B, cover it up with a bunch of other misunderstandings, addictions or otherwise. <laughs> but you'll never leave him without a full access to that. And it lasts. It's a lasting impression. Wow. And that's why I work with him. I have a question about what you brought up about yoga from 20 years ago to present moment. Like positives you've seen from it, like negatives that you've seen from it from definitely like, cause you're, you're not only were a student of it, but then also have become a teacher, you know, and traveling around doing events. Like what have you seen from what you initially learned about yoga and that practice to what it is today? I'm really curious on that journey of, what we were going through here in Western culture. Right. Well, I can't say that I see a whole lot of negative, mostly because more people doing yoga is just yeah. never going to be a, a bad thing for totally. me in my mind. I definitely feel that there is a perilous sort of trend toward having the postures be the main focus where especially on social media where, you know, young girls of 11 and 12 look at all the very well-followed yogis on Instagram and Facebook and think that's what it's all about. When you then dive in a little more deeply and see the well-followed yogis on Instagram are also full of heart. Mm -hmm. For the most part, when you look at the picture and you're just like, well, that person can't be real. And then you read what they're writing about and they most definitely are real. For the most part, these are highly intelligent, highly trained individuals who are just creating a lot of beauty with their bodies while they can. Mm. 
You know, that's how I like to look at it because you could look at it and you, you could sit here and say, you know, this is completely wrong and inaccurate. This is not what yoga is about at all. But again, when you read what they're trying to get across in terms of messaging and what they're writing about, you know, they mean it. They really are gaining a lot from the ways in which they're working with their bodies. And, you know, for me, anytime I move, I learn. doesn't matter how. So that would be the, probably the, the sort of negative end of the spectrum, which really isn't very negative at all. Mm-hmm. Positive is that more and more people are becoming aware of their bodies, which means they're becoming aware of how it feels when they drink or how it feels when they smoke or how it feels when they eat this certain food or that certain food. And so the awareness that sort of proliferation of yoga is bringing about, I think is nothing but beneficial. And if it's making more people care about their bodies and feel their bodies and be awake to their bodies, then we, you know, we're doing great. Absolutely. So, okay. Talk to me about, also, well, I want to hear that story too, but that's going to open up this whole other conversation. So before we go there, I want to pause. She knows what she's doing. I want to pause because I do want to go there. But like, then I'm going to start asking you all kinds of business logistic questions. And I'm Of course, of course. So yeah. what, because one of my favorite things <clears throat> is to ask people about the minutia of their oh. lives. Oh, it's the best. So much. So before we go there, I want to stay slightly higher level and ask you also about recovery. Because I know you've taught a whole series about recovery and you just touched on it now two different times. So can you talk a little bit about your experience with recovery and that? I know that's a really big question. We could talk for an entire weekend, but... Yeah, no, I can parse it down. I think, and, and actually the continuation of the last question would be, probably the best one trend that I have noticed in the last probably two to five years is that more and more people are in fact meditating. Mm -hmm. And if yoga was ever going anywhere, when it first started to really rise 20, 30 years ago, it was leading in that direction towards meditation. And it was when I first started really trying to meditate in earnest and first started working with Rod in earnest that it was very abundantly clear to me that substances have absolutely no place in my life and in my body, Mm. just no tolerance. And when you start to work with Rod, you see that, at least in my case, I started to see that the things that weren't good for me ceased feeling good (laughs) for several months before I finally, you know, cut myself off and started my recovery journey. But that said, it was a lot because of, you know, trying to meditate while I was thinking about when I was going to smoke a joint later. Mm. And anyone who has any sort of addiction, and I'm sorry, but I am of the mind that marijuana is absolutely addictive and it's all about the person and the person's chemistry, belief system, opinions, you know, wants and needs, blending with the absolute efficacy of marijuana. It's delicious (laughs) for certain people. I was born in a haze of Demerol, in 1970. Tobacco and Demerol in the delivery room was what was my mother was taking in. And so the minute I got exposed to any sort of similar feeling to that, that was like innate in my system and very familiar to me. And I was very happy getting high every day. That was fine for me. I wouldn't work until 12. So how could I run a business? Couldn't. So I wasn't. And I was just getting by, you know, pretty much just getting by. And when I finally saw the slavery that I was under and, you know, listening to all my friends, it's not, it's not even addictive. Marijuana is not a problem. And every morning I would sit, I would try to meditate. I would last like three or four minutes. And then I would, before the kid would wake up, I would go ahead and roll up the joint that I would smoke at nine when he would leave for school. Like, that's how it was. And of course I was functioning and of course I was doing great. And of course I wouldn't go teach yoga until at least noon or one. And that was my little rule, (laughs) like my weird life. And every morning was a wasted morning. Of course I was making art and doing other things. And maybe I was reorganizing my utensil drawer for the fifth time or eighth time. You could laugh, (laughs) but I wasn't as efficient or as productive or as, let's say, 
fiscally successful as I should have been in my early 40s. And so I'm 40, I was 43 when I stopped, 44. And it's the best thing I ever did for myself. I started with Gabby's May Cause Miracles. And I just started posting one piece of art every day that I created with her book. So maybe it was just a photo of her book and, and one of my stones that was giving me comfort that day, or it was an actual piece of art that I would paint with some watercolors, whatever it was. I was posting every day for almost every day for 40 days. And I didn't tell anybody that I was like, so I'm quitting weed for good because I was too afraid that I would be uncool and that my friends would leave me for good. Mm-hmm. And Instead, I just kept on going and the 40 days passed and I was like, holy shit, I'm going to do this. And I let Tommy Rosen, dear longtime brother, friend and Gabby know that I was going forward and I was going to be, I was ready. And they were both extremely supportive and nurturing. And I started to slowly around 90 days, 180 days, I started to share. And from that point on, I was writing this very long 15 minute spoken word piece on my journey into recovery. And at nine months exactly, I delivered it live. Where was I? Wanderlust in Aspen, you know, at Snowmass. Mm-hmm. And then that was it. I've never looked back. Um, my life is so much better. I've saved hundreds of thousands of dollars. I've, um, <laughs> I'm so proud of myself. My mother's proud of me, rest her soul. She was meant to be working with me like she should have been working with me. She died two and a half years ago and, you know, she would have been in the thick of this, earning her own money and enjoying it. But this was what gave rise to my rise into doTERRA. And I was using the oils for my recovery the whole time. I have a a whole piece on my blog about it. Mm. When I finally realized that, okay, now I'm not smoking any weed and I have all this time in the morning, like an extra three hours a day, an extra 15 hours a week, basically it's enough to run a very successful business Yes. in network marketing of any kind, any company. And what am I going to do at this time? And I called up my upline, who's the gal who had enrolled me. Her name is Marcy and she's a genius and I love her deeply. She lives in Kentucky in a small town and so what, you know, how much money you're making? What are you doing? And I've told this story before, but she basically gave me this astronomical figure over $15,000 a month. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> that could make a big difference in my life. What do I have to do? And she said, you just have to teach, girl. And I was like, all right, this is, I'm good at that. We know I'm good at that. <laughs> and so I started to tend to the team that she and I had slowly been building. She basically had me post my oil usage, my personal oil usage on Instagram, and then send to anyone who had come to me, to her, and she would help me sort of structure my team. And that went on for several months, almost probably a year, something like that. And by the time I was ready and calling her and interested and being activated, she had built a pretty great team for me. So I always give her so much credit. And then I took the reins and started to teach and started to manage and like I said tend to the folks that were already on my team and and we started to build and now we're from a few hundred people to 15,000 households so great wow so great now how did Marcy how did Marcy enroll you in the first place how did you how did you find it in the first place even before it was like an active thing for you we met through Pangea Organics at the time Pangea was founded by my best friend, Joshua Onisco, and he's still my best friend, Uncle Joshi. (laughs) And he is like one of the people that makes me laugh the most in life. He is still running Pangea Organics, but at that time, he was actually attempting to make Pangea a network marketing company. Uh And he went through all the steps to create that reality, and there were several reasons why it wasn't working for Pangea to be that way. And so he, they're back now to a retail model, which is brilliant. He's slaying. Pangea is some of the finest, you know, supernatural, supernatural products on the market. And I still use both Pangea and doTERRA. And Marcy and I met there. Cool. At one of the first meeting, you know, sort of a large meetings there of the first people who were going to be representing Pangea. 
And we, we met and we were just like fast sisters mm. instantly. And that was it. And then we stayed in touch as she grew her doTERRA business, Pangea phased out. And that's kind of how it happened. Amazing. Wow. Now, how do you, okay, so I have so many more questions. <laughs> now, you Ask were, away. oh my gosh, there's like a lot you've, you've opened up now, which I'm so excited about. Thank you. you sticky notes. Yes. I'm, my, sorry, Mike is pointing at me, trying to get me to do something. <laughs> now, okay. Don't he, worry. He's Don't got worry. his sticky notes to take his notes. Okay. Perfect. So I want to know now from when you really started paying attention to your doTERRA business to now, how do you like on a weekly basis, because you do have a lot going on, you know, you have an almost 12 year old son and you're about to move and you teach yoga and you've got these 15,000 people and you've got, do you have one book or you have several books? Art of Attention was the first one. Yeah. The second one, Practice You, has uh, came out in September and it's like a massive blessing bestseller insane and we're just working now on doing the finishing touches on the practice you deck which is going to be beautiful and practice you is basically a journal okay. so the deck yeah the deck is gorgeous and I, I did all the artwork for that book and the deck and that was really scary because I, I hadn't done the artwork till then I was just oh, making cool. I was like a closet artist the shower singing artist uh -huh. not really the actual artist I was ready to have somebody else do the illustrations for practice you but now I'm really happy that I did it and the it's been a smash what's fun about practice you is that it's being used as curriculum in yoga teacher training in kids classrooms grade the fourth grade the eighth grade this high school girls who are going on retreat the girls in juvenile detention centers like it's serious okay so can you now i'm going to go back to the other question but now that we're on this can you walk mm -hmm. me through just a little bit of what practice you is about and how it's translating so well to these different communities i basically wanted to make a map that everyone else would be drawing to their kind of core wisdom highest wisdom let's say and every page has sort of a prompt on it, field of space in which you can write. And each page takes you on a little bit of an emotional journey, let's say. And some are more profound than others. Some are really playful. Some are less spacious. Some are more spacious. So there's lots of different ways you can go. And teachers are finding that it opens up a dialogue that can't be opened eye to eye, like teacher to student. There has to be some mitigating force, some third force. And that's what this book turned out to be, which you know, I couldn't have dreamt it up any more accurately or any better, really. Mm. Yep. That's so powerful. It's a great privilege, honestly, to be a part of this because now, now I'm a part of a lot of different processes for people of many different ages, even the elders are using it, senior centers. Yeah, it's something very special. I can't even imagine. It's now getting translated a bunch too, which is cool. Now, in mm. the creative process of, of, of writing this book, mm. did the questions, you know, and the prompts come to you in meditation? Was it just like you're, you know, taking a run in the park? Can you talk about the creative process? Yeah, it's... Right after my mom passed was when my editor called and said, would you be open to doing a journal? And I was like, maybe. That was when I had the fight with him about, can I just hire an illustrator and I'll come up with the writing? And he was like, no deal. No art, no deal. You do do that. <laughs> he had seen me in my house making art he, on a, like a visit, a meeting that we'd had in my home. And that was that. So I, upon getting the assignment, and starting to, you know, Kate, you know, both of you know this, that you can start to see things in your mind before they actually materialize. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I started to see it. And so this was very soon after my mom passed. It was still very raw and very mm -hmm. real. And I would wake up at like five in the morning. It happened. I started creating in like March, April. And I started just waking up at five in the morning and laying out all the watercolor paper paints, palettes, buckets of water, paper towel rolls, and started painting. And it was very 
just cathartic and I would paint the color first and then the prompt would just come. I would sit with the piece for a little while. Maybe I would close my eyes. Maybe they were just still open. Maybe I would put on a song. Maybe I would go over to my bookshelf and grab a book that was calling to me right then. It was that arbitrary and yet completely obviously not. Slowly it started to come together. What was most fun is that my actual editor, the guy who asked me to do it is actually the head of marketing and just a real creative force. But my actual editor, Jen, she came to visit and we had what we thought was a full book and we started laying it out and it was a complete rainbow array of all these different paintings. And we started to see how the thing was slowly materializing. If you go to practiceyou.com right now, Mike, you can actually see it so you can have a feeling for what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Just super simple, practiceyou.com. And even the fact, by the way, that that URL was available was nuts. Yeah. It, when he called to ask me to do it, I was like, oh God, I'm going to call this thing. And I looked over at my, you won't even believe how corny this is, Kate. I looked over at my vision board, honestly, uh-huh. honestly, I'm, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying that. I'm like the last person to say these things, but I looked over at my vision board and there was the word practice. Uh-huh. I'm like an Oprah uh, magazine practice is one of the like headers of one of the sections of her magazine and I remember because it was my mom's and then the word you that I myself had written in chalk on my friend's chalkboard my friend's Uh kids chalk right next to each other and I was like oh let's just see blah 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 it was like so sad at that time I couldn't even barely look lift my head up and I looked practice you.com this site is available and I was like god damn it no way. Now I have to do it. Mm. Every, all the signs, mom. Now I'm going to be busy. And so I started. I just started it. That was it. It took me several months. And by the time it was done, as I said, when Jen came, we had a full on beauty going and that it was just there. It was right there. Oh. It's, wow. it's a beautiful piece of work. And that's practice for those listening. The uh, websites will be in the show notes, but also it's Y-O-U. Yeah. I believe practice you, just the letter use of dot com is available too. You might want to just buy it and redirect. Oh, that's a great idea. Good good idea, Mike. Because that's what I just typed in practice with the letter U. And I had to mouth to him. I was like, it's (laughs) Y-O-U. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I'm going to get it right now. Yeah, do that. Can you talk about, you've mentioned your mom probably five or six times on this episode. So what is the relationship with your mother? How has that changed? Because I know you spoke about this a lot at the live event we saw you speak at. And I'm just curious for the listeners that you could share that experience, please. Well, I'll be perfectly frank. I've been asked about this a lot, but I don't think ever in this way. I found my mom very recently before she died. I really didn't, I really couldn't see her before then. I saw her as someone who was always kind of out to judge me or get me or in some way get something from me. It was such a strange misunderstanding. And most of that was due to my own addictions, my own, you know, ways in which I was warping the way that I saw the world and I didn't really get her until maybe two or three years before she passed. She had been, she'd gotten cancer several times and first time when she was about my age now, and then again, five years prior to her passing. So eight years ago, and that was a pretty serious situation where she had to get a stem cell transplant and it was a very specific rare lymphoma And then I started to really see her more than ever. And it was one particular time where she was, she had just finished the stem cell transplant. So when you do that, your body is at real zero. Your whole immune system is at zero. Everyone's got to wear masks around you and gloves. And like you really cannot catch anything because if you do, it could be deadly. And I was helping her to the bathroom in the hospital and she passed out eyes rolling up the whole thing. And I was sure it was a stroke and I couldn't actually let go of her to get the phone because the phone was too far away and she couldn't hold herself up. And it was one of those moments where I was just like, Oh my God, what am I supposed to do right now? And 
I saw my whole life flash before my eyes. And I swore to myself from then on that I was going to respect this woman. That was it. And from that point on, I totally did. Very few exceptions for the last, whatever, four or five years of her life. But I really started to see her when she emerged from that. And by the way, in that moment, I said, Mom, I know you can't hear me. And I don't know what else to do. I'm going to have to let you be here on this seat for just a moment while I get the phone to get somebody's help. I don't know what else to do. And she like just barely slid her eyes open and looked at me and I looked at her and I was like, we got it. And I leaned my arm all the way out the door, picked up the phone, dialed the whatever red button and they came and it turned out that she had just fainted from lack of nourishment you know her blood sugar had gone haywire and that was it she made it out of there a few months later and during that time I reconfigured my entire life I quit working with this teacher who was just a horror show and was having me tell all these lies for him and just really I cleaned my life up at that point and it was very soon after that I got sober wow yeah and then, you know, from there on, I really, I really understood that she was never out to get me. She was never even out to judge me. She was so proud of me. And if she needed anything, it was just that I would please affirm her presence in my life, you know, what a just miracle. anything. Yeah. And so we got a few years of that. The only thing that I regret was when she, she came over, one of the last times she came over, if not the last time, she brought over a couple pairs of house slippers and said, if I'm going to be coming here more to work with you, I'm going to need some slippers. And I think I remember kind of giving her a hard time. And uh, <laughs> I've since, in, <laughs> I've posthumously apologized for that. And I gave the slippers to one of my favorite humans. And I think she was very happy about that. I, I, I speak of her now as though, I can hear her and speak to her because I pretty much do and can. And we're great. She loves me. She gets it. She's super proud of me. We talk all the time. What can I say? Call me crazy. Don't care. So beautiful. I'm yeah. just over here <laughs> crying. Yeah. yeah. I miss her terribly. I miss her every day. I miss her every day. Thank you so much. I have a friend who um, lives in Houston and she was very close at the end, very similar mm. to you with her mother. And, and she built an entire room where she goes every day. <laughs> oh, wow. Your mom in her house. <laughs> I believe that. Beautiful thing she said. Yeah. They're so much closer now than when her mom was alive. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That, that is the weirdest thing ever. And I always was so afraid that she would die. But now I realize, like, if you're listening to this and you're having a fraught relationship with your mother, which I really, really, truly understand. Like, first of all, get out of your own way and just see that person as though she were my mother. How would you treat, if you're listening to this, honestly, how would you treat my mother? You would treat my mother with the utmost respect. Basically, the woman that you call your mother is pretty much mine. And if you start to respect her like that and treat her and see her like that, things will change for you. Whew. Yeah. Thank you for that. And I can't well, imagine any woman is listening who does not have a fraught relationship with her mother, mm, 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 mm. whether her mother is still living or not. Or right. guys. Or, or guy too. Mother, Absolutely. their father. Yeah. It's like. It's pretty universal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, Neil Strauss did write a book called Everybody, Everybody Loves You When You're Dead. And it you was, know what? I'm good with that too. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it's okay. Yeah. I, I finally, I got to 47 this year and I realized I'm almost 48. And I got to, I got to realizing now that I don't actually care what people think of me anymore mm -hmm. and I have nothing to hide and it's okay. Love me now. Love me when I'm dead. Don't mind. I love that. Yeah. It's good. Now, was there anything that changed in your mothering when, as you were developing this new relationship and new respect for your mother? or anything that changed yeah. in your relationship with your son? For sure. I'm working on a few pretty negative manifestations in my, uh, let's say, personality right now that include, for some reason, when she died, I started cursing more, which is not okay. 
but it's as though sometimes I'm possessed. <laughs> like, I don't mean that literally, but it really is like the way she spoke. Like, uh-huh. what the fuck, Jonah? Like, yeah. I shouldn't be speaking like this. Every time I do, he's like, uh, mom, can you please stop cursing? And we have a laugh and, you know, we move forward, but it's very much Mimi, which is what we call my mother. I also got a lot more honest with him. I was already pretty honest, but I even got a little more honest with him about certain ways that I feel about people and certain things that we can cultivate together as a family. And we have a really good relationship now. He's 12 and he's starting to break away and he's very communicative about it. So, you know, I set him up all the time for success. I say, look, you know, instead of doing what my mom did, which is come here and give me a kiss right this second. Now I say, hey, is it cool if I kiss you on one cheek? Maybe possibly two. And so there's a there's now a real respect for his space and his time and his still with boundaries and still with rules and still with chores and, you know, allowance for chores and all these things. But I feel like I'm a lot more clear with him and more respectful of him, hmm. which is nice. Hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, I really, since you, be- you mean interesting for you to experience it this way instead of just telling him what to do or. Uh, yeah, I'm just, there's a line that I really had to figure out where I'm holding a boundary yet not being, I'm going to just say it, holding a boundary, but not being an asshole, you know, like still yeah. being respectful, still being cool. And yet, you know, this is what has to get done, dude. <laughs> This is what can happen. This is what cannot happen. And let's do it. I'll help you, you know, instead of being like, dude, you got to make your bed. I'm like, dude, come, let's make your bed together. I'll help you out. Oh, thanks, mom. (laughs) That's so sweet. Penelope did remind me that she needed to make her bed this morning. She did? Yeah. She's such a Virgo. That's awesome. Yeah. Virgo. Yeah. That's a we're, Virgo. we're 50% Virgo in our house. Yeah. So. Ooh, um, that place is going to be pretty neat though. There's a lot of tidying. There's a lot of tidying. When you were talking about organizing your utensil drawer, Mike has spent a great deal of parental leave. Not eight times. No, not eight Elena's times. Elena's no, got no. me beat on that one. Honey, I am so grateful. Well, that's just part. a stoner thing. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a full stoner, stoner move right there. I had a good, I had a good 12 year run. Oh, good. So you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, I'm very I have a lot of respect. Yeah, I I still have a lot of respect for people who still smoke. And, you know, I'll roll up anybody's joint any day, but you just will not catch me smoking anymore. It just does not belong in my body at all. No, that's what Kate's uncle and uh, grandmother, aunt and uncle and grandmother were here this weekend. And he was was asking me, we were picking up dinner, and he was like, do you want beer or wine? I was like, no. He's like, you don't drink anymore, do you? And I was like, no. And he's like, he said, for how long? I was like, I actually have no idea. It's been like probably three years at least. I was like, I I don't, I don't even know. I think it's been longer than that. And he was like, good job. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. You know, it's just like, but it was such a, yeah, it was just a good decision that I needed to make for myself. Very similar to the story you explained. Yeah. I mean, you know what else? I mean, the alcohol is implicated in very clearly implicated particularly for women but also for men in cancer now it's there's no there's a very clear correlation that is not surprising no not at all yeah it creates so many free radicals like it just damages yourself so many so replicates over time yeah no it's toxic it's definitely toxic so i'm very interested to hear now the connection in just these last few minutes we have because i've been you know putting off my minutiae questions. So we We're have to good. get to them. <laughs> so, We're good, I promise. I just push back my next meeting so we can chat oh, a little. Okay, you're okay, okay, great, thank you. Yeah. And baby's happy and everyone's good. So For sure. Um, yeah, Ruby's here recording with us. I think you might have heard her, guys. I did, it's the best. Ago. She's starting to make her little noises. Oh, of course, I start talking to her Bless about you. her and she starts here. here. I'll, take me, her to, I'll take her downstairs. No, I'll just feed her on the other side. <laughs> Just give her the other boob. Just give her the other boob. She should be just fine. So, okay. So your business really started taking off as you got sober, which is powerful. So I would love to know how you made that shift. Like, what does it look like now in your life to have gone from being really all yoga to now being mostly 
mostly doTERRA. Is that true? Am I saying that correctly? You are saying that correctly. Okay, so give I me the breakdown that. of like your months and weeks and days. Like what is, I know of course it's always different because you got a kid and it's as an entrepreneur, it's always changing, but how do, well, how do things look? It's pretty consistent now. Okay. Cause that was part of what I wanted to create this year in 2018. So I used to teach probably got a certain point. I was teaching 10 to 20 yoga classes a week. That was many years ago, over a decade ago. And then I started to call that in, you know, roll that back a little bit at a certain point, probably four or five years ago, I was teaching probably five or six times a week. And then that was down to three. And then I was down to once or twice. And then I started to no longer teach privates. And then I was just doing like one or two classes a week at a studio in New York. And, and I loved doing that. Believe me, I, you know, I loved getting in there with 20 or 30 or 40 people and just rocking out for 90 minutes. But I found that even that was eating into the time that I could spend on my business. Mm. And so while I was building the business, I decided, okay, I'm not going to teach yoga anymore. I'm going to take a temporary income hit and I'm going to go for really building this team. And I started to learn what the actions were, you know, how do I prepare classes? How do I learn as much as I can? How do I invite people to study with me, to do one-on-ones, to come to a class at my home or to go to a class at their home? How do I actually teach my classes? What does that look like? How does it feel most natural to me? And these are classes Um, about essential oils? Yes. And they could be classes that incorporate yoga and or meditation and essential oils Mm -hmm. or not, but mostly essential oils. And mainly because I just believe in them. I've seen them work in every single possible situation in my home from like deep core wounds that were going to need antibiotics on my kid's foot all the way to, you know, lung infections and all kinds of stuff that the oils have supported the movement toward healing straight up. And I wanted my kid to be very, let's say, familiar with how the oils can support him as he gets older. Yeah. So that was my mission. And basically what I ended up doing is phasing out yoga entirely, except for one private a month and spending all of my time creating, you know, preparing, inviting, presenting, helping people create their accounts and then supporting the people who have created their accounts. So I spend Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday on my team. I take Uh care of my leaders. I talk to them. Depending on how much or little, you know, everybody's very different. So some of them need contact once a week. Some of them once a day. Some of them not at all. Yeah. You know, some of them are just very self-sufficient. And I am very sensitive to that too. And I just leave them be until they need me. And then I'm right there. You know, I, I treat them all with the utmost respect and I, I do everything that I can for those humans. And then as a result, that behavior is passing down to their teams. So that's kind of how those are the ways in which I spend my time on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday, Friday is when I usually do things like this, you know, podcast mm-hmm. interviews, run over to the Met and see some mm-hmm. art, take good care of myself, go to the park get some acupuncture, get a massage, you know, cook a huge meal for the family for later on, whatever I can do. And that's kind of how it works. Now I feel very much the, you know, sort of master of my time Wednesdays and Fridays that were also the days that I would work on the book and work on the deck and other sort of creative things. But yeah, it's, it's very organized and it's very cute how people call me all the time. Like, I know you're so busy. And it's like, no, I'm not busy. Isn't that great? I'm not that busy. Yeah, I'm when doing you, okay. Yeah, when you kind of like start to batch it out and have good boundaries and start stop being a slave to your time, you don't actually have to be busy and you can still get a lot done. It's remarkable. Exactly. It all it's comes remarkable. back to the utensil drawer. <laughs> because it does in some funny way. It, it It's like, you asked, Kate mentioned this the other day about it was something... Would you say, but I said, once the drawers are organized, you oh. just don't put any more stuff in it. Like you just yes. like, the only thing that's in it is what's in it. Yeah, right. It's like yes. everything that's been in our drawers is the exact same thing that's been in the drawers. But once you stick a drawer organizer in there, it just like, yes. it makes it so. You stop much- overflowing the drawer. Yeah. It's a good metaphor. And so <laughs> think of your life like a utensil organizer, everyone. But yes. it's, just, yeah, exactly what you talked about. It's like, because you, you just mentioned a very structured day. 
or week, I should yeah. say, you know? And so instead mm-hmm. of getting high from, you know, seven o'clock to noon, you know, your mm-hmm. organ, it's like your day is very structured and throughout the week. So you're like, okay, on Fridays right. I go to the Met and on Wednesdays I do interviews. So, you know, and so it's like, you know what you're doing on those days. And then if you yes. don't have an interview, then you're like, okay, then I got some time to like do some other things. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. And then how do you, how do you decide what you say no to, right? Because you have a team of 15,000 people. I know that you're not working with them personally all, obviously, because mm-hmm. there's a leadership structure in place. So you work with mm-hmm. the leaders who then work with their people. But, right. you know, I would imagine between the two books and your reputation as a yoga teacher and yoga glow and all the things that you do that you get a lot of requests. So what is your framework or filter for what you say yes to and what you say no to? Well, I don't, it has to pertain to some sort of service. Like I see what you do as a deep service. I've sent, I can't tell you how many dozens of people your book, Money, A Love Story. And it has changed the environment in my team. And it continues to do so to this day. New people come on, I always tell them, go get this book. If it's going to serve my team or more broadly, and I am feeling my heart feels connected to it, I get a full like body wide, yes, I'll do it. If it doesn't give me that full feeling, I actually, some people will not like what I'm about to say, but I actually just delete the email. I don't ever deny or say, no, thank you. I just delete it and I don't answer. Mm-hmm. I know that's really weird, but that has happened to me several times with clients of my own and, you know, people who are sort of well-known who can kind of say no or yes to anything. And when they say yes, it's a yes. I get an email back and there's an exchange. And when it's not something that they're interested in doing, I just don't hear back. And there's something really comforting about that because the no never has to be exchanged. It's almost like a situation where you don't ever have to exchange money. Hmm but yet there is an energetic exchange. It's like, I just, I can't, so I'm just not going to respond. And that feels good to me. Some people won't agree with that. It didn't feel good to me on the receiving end for a long time, but then I started to understand and I talked to one of them about that's how she rolls. And I thought, you know, that's kind of good. And I started to do it. And now I just don't respond if I can't do something or if it's not for me. Okay. Yeah. That's very interesting. I love the transparency of that. Well, it's, you know, people will be offended and yep. it's okay. I finally am okay with that. People will also be like, offended by the answer no, however. The truth is people will be offended. And I can't no. manage, I no longer am willing to try to manage others' perceptions of me. I'm okay if we don't agree. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is okay. <laughs> it it really is okay. Is okay. Yeah. I mean, no, that is like, if we could all just say it's okay if we don't agree. And it's okay if another person is uncomfortable. Yes. It's okay. Yeah. I, w- one yeah. of the things I worked on a big time this, this year with my therapist coach was being okay with other people in my life not being okay. And yes. work, it's like, whoa, it's really big. It's a big deal. Yeah, it's a really big deal. It's, it's a big, big freedom deal. is what it is, honestly. Mm-hmm. It is. It is because ultimately other people's emotions are not our responsibility. Only how we act is our responsibility. And of course, empathy, you know, you're never going to cut that off. So we're going to carry like, that's just the way it is. Yep. (sighs) Wow. Well, it's good. Yeah, it is really good. Okay. So what are you most excited about right now? What's really alive for you in your life or in your work or both? I'm moving house in a few days. I've been living next door to a gentleman who got, I I don't know exactly what happened, but he got really ardent in his complaints about Jonah's piano playing. And if any of you know, Jonah is very committed to his piano and has been for the last seven, eight years. He is very serious about it. He's gifted. He does not have a television. He just got an iPad and a phone this year. So he plays, he has about an hour on the device during the day, during the summer, none during the week, during the school year, a little more on the weekends. And that's all he has to do aside from his 40 minutes of reading a day. So this guy started complaining and we could no longer practice. And now it's been very, very challenging for the last several months. And 
I decided of the two options to electrify the piano and have Jonah wear the cans, you know, wear the headphones while he practices, which was not an option yeah. or move. And I decided that I was going to be spending several thousand more dollars than I should to electrify the piano. But I want to hear the, my son play the piano and I want him to be able to play it at any hour of the day that he wishes within reason, obviously. I can no longer deal with the texts coming in at 5 p.m. on a school day that Jonah needs to stop playing the piano. So, yeah, it just was untenable. And I just decided two weeks ago, I decided we're moving. We found a place around the block where most of the other folks around are just using these apartments as, you know, layover plans, like two nights a year or three nights a month or something. And so it's a perfect plan, perfect situation. And, We'll be moving in a week. And that's really exciting to me because I have a little more of a a sort of an office space in that new place. And yeah, it's just, you know, the move, if you're listening to this and you have your own network marketing business, you have your own multi-level marketing business, you need to take your business seriously and you need to treat it like the business that it is and to have a specific place in the house for my business Oh, is really lighting me up right now. I can't wait to have that instead of really like camping in the middle of the living room and calling that my office, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I'm happy about that. And the deck, the practice you deck is all the finishing final touches are going on that. My, I think November, December is when it should be coming out. My hope is that for the holidays, it'll be out. Great. And then probably last and most pressing is that I'm coming to Maine. <laughs> I'm going to come yeah. see you. on August 5th. I know. I can't wait. I cannot wait. It's a full day that I'm doing over at Sarah Tacey. She invited me to come. We're doing a full masterclass and she is having me basically do nine to five, a morning practice, lunchtime, and then an afternoon practice. And it'll be just everything that I love to offer And Sarah's company, which is called Leverage, is running the event. And it's one of her first events, but she has a few in the hopper right now. One with Brian Kest, who's one of my first first teachers. That one's coming next summer. Yeah, he's like really a huge force for me. Anyway, Sarah's amazing. And she has created a gorgeous, yeah, a gorgeous thing. So I'm looking forward to coming up there. I've never been there. You've never been to Maine? No, it's the weirdest. Oh my goodness. Okay, well, we'll have to connect and just see what sort of adventure we can take you on. And James is coming with me too. Oh, great. Okay, perfect. Mm -hmm. So I can't wait. I can't wait to practice with you. I've only practiced with you actually on Yoga Glow. So never in real life. So I'm pretty excited. Well, you know, you're getting, the, you're getting a good taste of me. And I'm a little more candid and I can be a little more myself in, in yeah. person, but you really do get a lot of, I work on those classes all year long. So you I love, I love Yoga Glow. I'm a huge fan. How long are you coming for? So good. Not that long, I think, because I will just be leaving a few days later for Europe for two weeks. So uh-huh. I'll be there the night before for sure. And then the full day of the thing, and then we leave the following day. But I think we have the morning to play okay. around. We'll work it out. So yeah. is the best place for people to look into, you know, Maine is gorgeous in the summer. We wait all year long for heaven for two mm-hmm. months. So for August sure. 5th, it's right outside of Portland, Maine. And Sarah Tacey Tangretti is a dear, dear, dear friend of ours who we met in breastfeeding class. And I just, I love her art. Our oldest girls are the same age. She's, she's wonderful. So where do people sign up for that? Your website or her website? Actually, you can go straight to my website, to the calendar page. Okay, great. So it's just my name, Elena Brower, E-L-E-N-A-B-R-O-W-E-R.com. And there's a calendar page. Those of you who are interested in learning more about recovery, if you click journal and scroll back one or two posts, you're going to find a beautiful entire post on recovery. Yeah, there's lots of there's lots of good information there that I've been playing with over the years. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank, Thank you for being so here. This was such a joy. I cried. I laughed. I no. laughed a lot. And I can't wait to yeah. go and practice you and to practice with you in August. So oh. thank you, Elena. You are a blessing and a joy. And both of you, thank you so much. And, and I want to say thank you from my whole team for your book, Kate. It really did make a huge difference in the way that everybody sees their relationship to money as energy, money as nourishment, not a problem. And I'm very grateful to you every day. 
And Mike, you're not so bad yourself. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to keep him. Not so bad. (laughs) Keep him. He's a keeper. Keeper. Thank you, Elena. Lots of love. Love you too. I'll see you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Ever feel like you're constantly doing things, but aren't able to carve out the time or energy for the things that really matter to you? Mike and I want to share our top five tools for making a life, not just a living. To learn what they are, go to katenorthrup.com forward slash tools. See you on the next episode.